All right, hello Valley Creek. I want to take a moment and say hello to all of our campuses, whether you're watching here at Denton or at Louisville or Flower Mound or Venue or online or at an extension site, wherever you are in the world, let's welcome each other together today. So we hope that you and your family have been having an amazing summer. We've been having an amazing summer here at Valley Creek. We've been eating some food, playing some games, hanging out together. And we've been in a series called One Another, where we've been looking into the scripture and learning how to relate to all those that are closest to us, to our one another's in our life. We're taking ground in relationships. The reason that's so important is because 2019 is a year of pioneering. You see, every single year, we believe that God gives us a word for the year. And if we'll lean into that, there's a favor and there's anointing on that word. So our word is pioneering. And to pioneer means we go into the unknown for the good of others and the glory of God. It means that we move mountains, we walk on waters, we kill some giants. That is, in relationships, we move mountains of conflict, we walk on waters of tension, we kill giants of discord, we pioneer. And so there is a favor in that word. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't stop. Don't stop pioneering in any area of your life and especially in relationships. It is our destiny. It is critical to being a movement of hope. Don't stop pioneering. Why? Because if we're going to be a movement of hope, they will know that we know him by our love. It's our love for one another that helps the world know that Jesus is real and that relationships with Jesus are real and relationships at the church are real. So we continue to pioneer. You see, a movement is made up of people, and people are meant to be in relationships, and relationships are hard. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so don't look at the person you came with, but if you agree that relationships are hard, wink once, okay? You can stop winking now, it's getting creepy. Okay, so if you don't think that relationships are hard because you're a hermit that lives in a cave, wink twice. Okay, yes, relationships are difficult. I think we all know that. So to kick things off, here's, here's a question I want to ask. Are the relationships in your life peaceful? Like if you think about your relationships, are they peaceful? If we were to describe your relationships, do they look more like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or the Jerry Springer show. If there was a soundtrack to your relationships, would it sound more like Kenny G or the hype music to a UFC cage fight? If a hidden camera was placed into your kitchen on a Monday morning before the kids went off to school, would it be a picture of serenity and peacefulness and teamwork? Or would it look like the beach scene from Saving Private Ryan? I think you know what I'm trying to say. Relationships are really difficult. In fact, Jesus talks about going into a house and, and seeking peace in that house when he talks to the disciples in Luke chapter 10. Check this out. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. Can I ask you, is there someone who promotes peace in your house? Are you a person who promotes peace? Not just tries to keep the peace, but actually promotes it, like adds it into the atmosphere. I recently took a, a personality test called the Enneagram, and you might have heard of this. And, and so I scored the number eight. Well, the number eight's subtitle is Challenger. So Challenger and promoting peace, that's a difficult combination. So this is as much for me as it is for anybody here, because the question is, how do we learn to live at peace with one another? 
especially with those we spend the most time with, especially with those that we're closest to. Well, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus has just finished talking about having peace with God, and he finishes with one last thought. He says this, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves. Okay, what in the world? What does that mean? Well, salt was used to purify and preserve. So before we had refrigerators, it would purify meat and it would preserve it. Purify it, kill the bacteria in it, kill the germs in it, uh, preserve it, keep it longer. So what he's saying is, have the one who purifies and preserves inside you, and then you'll be at peace with those around you. Have Jesus his ways, his kingdom, him on the inside of you, and you'll be at peace with the one another's in your life. Peace with him leads to peace with them. Peace with him, Jesus, leads to peace with them, all the one another's that you spend time with. And until you carry peace on the inside of you, you will never carry peace into the relationships around you. Until you carry peace on the inside of you, you will never carry peace into the relationships around you. Until you have peace with him, it's impossible to be at peace with them. The prince of peace inside you leads to peace with those around you, starting with the people you love the most. So can I just ask you, why is it often that the people that we love the most drive us the most nuts? You know what I'm saying, right? My question is, who, who said it has to be like that? Why is it that the closest relationships create the greatest source of conflict? Who says that it has to look like that? Oh, Jason, it just is. I know, but the kingdom's different. And we're called to live different. We're called to act different. We're invited to be at peace with one another. And check it out what it says there. It's, it's not just uh, make peace. It's be at peace. Continual, active state all the time. You see, check out this progression. If you have peace with Jesus on the inside of you, you're going to live with peace inside yourself, peace in ourselves. When you have peace inside of you, you can be at peace with others. So in your life, if you look back and you're like, yeah, I struggled to have peace in my relationships. I got like this, like, you know, like this record of bad relationships behind me. Well, maybe that struggle comes because you don't have peace within yourself because ultimately you have not received the prince of peace on the inside. See, Jesus has done everything he needed to do to make peace. We have to receive it for ourselves. Then we can have peace in ourselves and be at peace with others. There comes a point when you realize it is less about what everyone is doing to me and what's happening around me and more about what's going on inside me. Hear me. What God is doing in you is infinitely more important than anything he'll ever do through you. So your peace on the inside leads to peace on the outside. Peace in our relationships means that Jesus is at the center of us, and so he'll be at the center of all of our relationships. You see, what we want to say is, it's them, it's not me. Or when you break up in high school, you say, oh, it's not you, it's me. But in reality, you mean, it's actually you. So, but catch it, it's me. It's always me. I am the common denominator of every relationship in my life. You are the common denominator of every relationship in your life. So we pioneer by bringing Jesus into every relationship in our life. The more you live at the peace with Jesus, you'll feel the peace within and you'll be at peace with them. Peace with him leads to peace with them. But how does it it all work practically? Well, ultimately, if you want to be a peacemaker, you must be a conflict stopper. 
You see, Jesus was a conflict stopper. The chaos stops with you. The crazy train, it stops with you. The conflict stops with you. Jesus was a peacemaker precisely because he was a conflict stopper. Check this out in Ephesians. Christ himself has brought peace to us. Yes, he has. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now catch this. In the original language, the word that is broken down means to melt away. So in our relationships, when we have conflict, we're invited to melt away the conflict. We're invited to be a conflict stopper. Easily, slowly, gently melt it away. Hear me. Peacemakers break down walls of hostility in their life. They do the things that melt away anger. You don't always have to have the last word. You don't always have to build up a wall of conflict. It's going to take you two days of not talking to each other to try to get it back again. You don't always have to win. And by the way, when it's people you love, you're not winning anyways. You can let it melt away. You know what I mean, right? You don't have to have the last word. You can zip it. You don't have to say that other comment. You don't have to give them the death stare. Look away. Look away. Like, don't, don't go for the death stare. The tense situation, diffuse it. Let it melt away. Be a peacemaker. Be a conflict stopper. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. What a great word, quarrel. The one who is patient calms a fight. So next time you feel like you want to stir up that conflict rather than stop it, next time you feel the tension, the disappointment, the distance with the person, you can do one of basically two things, or you can do both, okay? Next time you have that conflict, that quarrel that comes on, one of two things. First of all, ask why what? Why what? Yeah, ask why. Why do I feel this way and what was my part in it? Why do I feel undervalued? Why do I feel not heard? Why do I feel not you know, uh, uh, respected? And what was my part in it? Even if it is 99% their fault, you can still own the 1%. It's never 100 to zero. You can always own your portion in whatever it is. So ask, why what? And the second thing you can do is you can take the exit. You don't always have to have the same fight in the same way with the same words that you always do. You can take the exit. If you were on the highway and there's a bunch of cars stopped in front of you, you could either crash into all those cars or you could take the exit and you could go away from where the accident would be. If you were on the highway and you started feeling hangry, that's hungry angry, then you could take the exit and go to In-N-Out Burger because it's better than Whataburger and then you could get a lunch. Oh. Listen, take the exit. I feel like it just got a little, uh, got a little dangerous in here. Listen, we can have peace. We can be at peace with one another. Okay, so take the exit. You don't always have to have the same fight in the same way with the same words that you always do. Don't crash. Don't be hangry. Choose to calm the quarrel. I have great news to report. After, uh, as of last weekend, I've been married 18 years to the same woman. Yeah. Yeah. She deserves a trophy. She's a hero, her rewards are in heaven. So for those 18 years, people will come up to her sometimes and they'll say, <laughs> they'll say things like this. Does he always have that much energy? She's like, no, he's pretty normal at home. I'm like, I'm starting to get like a complex. I'll just be honest with you. So for most of those 18 years, you know what we'd fight about? The checkbook. I know what you're thinking. Nobody uses a checkbook anymore. 
I know. That's why it's so dumb that we were fighting about it. But for so long, we'd fight about the checkbook. Now we use a budgeting software. It's gotten a lot better. But we'd fight about the checkbook every single time. Same way, with the same words, and the same fight that we always have. And so one day, we just had to choose that we weren't going to fight about the checkbook anymore. And we just both chose to take the exit. And it's been beautiful ever since. Now we made it to 18 years. Our marriage can vote. All right, so we took the exit and we found peace in our marriage. So let's be clear. If we do life with people, we will have conflict. Life would be easy without all the people around. Church would be easy without all the people around. Relationships are like new cars. They start so fresh and so clean, but then they begin to smell like people. (laughs) And even Jesus knows this. Jesus knows this is true. That's why he says to his disciples in Luke, He says, it's impossible that no offenses should come. So he says it right there, like you're you're gonna do life, you're gonna have conflict. By the way, on a side note, do not use this verse if you're in a fight with your spouse. (laughs) Sorry, honey, I'm sorry that I came home late last night, but as Jesus says in the Bible, it's impossible that no, okay, that's not gonna work. Do not go there, that's a bad idea. So what do we do? How do we live as peacemaking conflict-stopping, hope-carrying followers of Jesus. I'm so glad you asked. Listen to Romans 12, 18. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, here's a question. What if it was possible? What if it was possible to live at peace with everyone? I know what you're thinking. Oh, you just said the conflicts will come. They will. But what if it was possible to live at a state of peace where the conflict came, you you ushered in peace, and the relationship was restored? What if it was possible to live at peace with everyone? Because here's the thing. With Jesus, everything is possible. So as I was preparing to talk with you, I even felt like the Lord even spoke to me. For those of you here that have maybe been estranged from your children or you've been estranged from your parents for decades, I declare by faith, everything is possible. Your relationship can be restored. For that couple that's here that maybe you're thinking about a divorce or you're separated from each other or you got just a tough road ahead of you, can I just tell you, everything is possible. I could probably think of four couples at Valley Creek that were completely divorced that are now remarried because Jesus came into the center of their relationship. Everything is possible. For the siblings that have struggled to even have one conversation with each other without getting in a fight, everything is possible. You can pioneer peace with your brother, pioneer peace with your sister. Can I just ask you, what looks impossible in your relationships? Maybe it's the brother you don't talk to, the coworker you try to avoid. Can I just tell you, everything is possible. It says, as far as it depends on you. What Paul's saying is, the ball is always in your court. The ball is always in your court to go first and try to make peace for whatever is going on as far as it depends on you. In fact, scriptures give us a really clear roadmap for how to resolve conflict. In Matthew chapter 18, there's an entire passage on resolving conflict. But at the beginning of it, here's what it says. Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Now, here's what we see when we see this passage. We think, oh, this is good. When someone does something I don't like, I can point out their fault. But what we miss is probably the most important part. Go. Don't go to your girlfriends on a Friday night. Don't go to your golfing buddies. Go to the person and have a conversation and resolve the conflict between the two of you. 
I think what we often miss is a lot of times our conflicts, they, they fester and we don't have peace because we become like passive aggressive. We let it kind of linger on the inside of us. We never resolve it. And so we either become passive aggressive or the whole thing explodes at the same time and we become massively explosive. So passively aggressive and massively explosive, neither one of those is good. You got to go and you got to have the conversation. And if it works itself out, you truly have won their heart over. And so the people in your life, the ones you love and even the ones you don't are worth it. You got to go. You got to go with Holy Spirit led words. You got to go with peace in your heart. You got to go with a desire to mend the relationship. You got to choose a time and a place. You know what I think happens a lot of times is instead of taking ground in our relationships by facing the problem, we lose ground by running away from the problem or avoiding the problem and just go our separate ways. We find that new best friend, we transfer departments, we maybe try to upgrade our marriage, but that never works. You can't run away. Because the problem with running away is wherever you run to, there you are. And all your frustrations and all your insecurities and all your quirks and all those things are still there. The common denominator is still in the equation. So we need to face one another, we need to learn to walk through conflict, to usher in peace into our relationships. Church, here's a question. Is there anybody inside of our church family that you need to go and have a conversation with and be a person who promotes peace? Every single weekend is a chance for us to gather together and be people of peace who show the world what it looks like to actually work through conflict, to be at peace with one another. I encourage you, before you leave campus this weekend, have a conversation, promote peace with that person. You'll be so glad you did. There's an invitation for us to pioneer peace into all of our relationships in this season. So how do we live at peace with one another? Here's what I have. I got just three quick thoughts on how we can truly live at peace with one another. Here they are. We can pray peace, speak peace, and bring peace. The first one is pray peace. We can start in all of our relationships by praying first. Ask the Lord how he wants to resolve the conflict, the tension, the discord. What if we prayed God-inspired peace before we tried to come up with a man-made solution? Things would be a lot different. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. But a lot of times that's where it starts, right? If things get crazy, we're like, oh, I gotta pray about it now. But spouses, wouldn't it be crazy if instead of getting upset about your spouse's harsh tongue or the fight that you had, what if you just started praying peace into them? God, may the, may the God of all peace guard my spouse's heart and their mind in Christ Jesus to fill them to peace till they overflow. Jesus, right now, I, I pray peace into my husband. I pray peace into my wife. What if you started to pray that way? Things would be a lot different. Students, for that student at school that gets under your skin every fourth period, the one that drives you nuts, what if you started praying peace into his home life, into his thought life? God, I pray peace that whatever's going on at home, like however his dad treats him, that he would see you as a good father in heaven. God, I pray peace that whatever's going through his mind, that you would calm his mind, you'd take away his anxiety and, and, and the fact that he feels ashamed, or doesn't feel valued or loved, you'd give him the peace of heaven. Parents, instead of living in this constant state of frustration about your energetic kids and, and the way they're not listening and your frustrations you're having, what if you prayed more of the fruit of the Spirit into their life? Love, joy, peace, patience, and started with that. And then just see what happens. Pioneers navigate by prayer. Peacemakers pray peace. So let me ask you, why don't we pray peace? Why don't we start with it? Well, I think there's a couple different reasons. I think one is 
with like, I've been there, I've done that, I've tried that before, and just nothing happened. Or we might think that it's not effective, it doesn't work. Can I just tell you, prayer works. Your good Father in heaven wants to have a conversation with you because he loves you. So prayer is just a conversation between two people that love each other. You can pray peace into your relationships. The next one is to speak peace. Begin to speak the very words of life into those situations that seem like death. By the way, this is loads of fun to do with little kids, like at a preschool or like a little kid's birthday party. What I started to do is, you know how Jesus would always be like, peace be with you. I started to use my loudest voice possible whenever it starts getting crazy, and I just I kind of get my breath in my lungs. Children, peace be upon you. No, son, do not make him eat that dirt. No, child, put down the whiffle, but peace be upon you. And I just wait and see their eyes are like really big. It's really fun. You should try it sometime. You can speak peace into any situation. You can speak peace into that medical situation. Hey, Jesus is your healer. He's your comfort. He's got you. You can speak peace into that financial situation. God is a God of abundance. He is a provider. He's going to take care of you. Into that heart situation. Jesus binds up where you're broken hearted. He's keeping you even right now as you feel broken. You can speak peace into their life. So why don't we speak peace? Well, I think... I think we fear what they're going to think if we say it. I think sometimes it's our pride because we just had the fight with them. This is like, oh, we just had a fight with them. I can't say anything nice to them. But you can. You can speak peace into their life. Your words hold the power of life and death. Like, here would be a question. Would you perform CPR on somebody if they were dying? You're like, yeah, if I knew CPR. As I understand it, uh, 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 staying alive. Staying alive. That's it. So you would do it. If you knew how to perform CPR, right? So what would you do if you could speak life into a heart that was dying? Would you use your words if you could speak life into somebody's heart that was dying? We can speak peace. And here's the last one. We can bring peace. Listen, anyone can wind up a tense situation. Very few people can disperse it. Anyone can be the drama mama or the angry dad. Very few people can bring peace to chaos. So bring peace. That means don't go forwarding that crazy thing on Facebook. Don't go rushing into a room and like raise the temperature of this intense situation. Lower the temperature by raising up Jesus. Uh, Bring peace into every situation you walk into. Everywhere you go, you can change the atmosphere. Everywhere you go, you can release peace and you can bind up conflict. So my question is, why don't we do that? Why don't we bring peace into every situation? Here's what I think. I think oftentimes we react to the chaos of the world instead of act like the peace of the kingdom. So the world shows us something like, oh, oh no, oh, what's going on? Instead of bringing the peaceful spirit into the situation. We're, we're children of the kingdom. We act like the king. We bring the peace of the kingdom everywhere we go. We don't react to the crazy of the world. So Jesus did all three of these things. He prayed, he spoke, and he brought peace everywhere he went. You might remember the story we talked about last week in John chapter 11, in the story of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. So Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary. He gets sick, uh, he dies. They'd asked for Jesus to come, but but he passed away. And so Jesus comes after the fact. And of course, that is an anxious and a really worrisome situation. So Jesus prays peace. He actually says, Lord, I pray for the benefit of all those who are listening. And then he speaks peace. He tells his disciples, this sickness isn't going to end in death. Martha, your brother will rise again. And he speaks peace into it. And he brings peace. 
He walked in calm into a really tense situation. He changed the atmosphere. He lowered the temperature by bringing and raising himself into that situation. We can do the same thing. He invites us to pray, to speak, and to bring peace everywhere we go. What you have to catch is from deep peace, we make peace. Jesus lived at a place of deep peace with his Father so he could bring peace in every situation. And we can do the same. He was at peace when Martha was struggling and was frustrated that he didn't show up on time. He was at peace when his disciples weren't getting it over and over and over. And he was even at peace when the Pharisees were trying to kill him. Which means you can be at peace when your boss at work is trying to kill you. Okay, maybe that's not happening, but you can be at peace when that other person gets the promotion, when your spouse walks through a desert season, when your adult child seemingly walks away from the faith and you're scared. You can be at peace. You can be at peace even when your world isn't peaceful because you're a peacemaker. You're a conflict stopper. You can bring the peace of Jesus into any and every situation. Pioneers make peace. And as they pioneer, as they go into the unknown, everywhere they go becomes more peaceful. So let's just answer this looming question. What if it doesn't work? What if this whole, as far as it depends on you thing, what if that doesn't work? You're doing there, you've tried it, you're struggling in this one relationship. What should you do? Well, this is what Ephesians 4 says. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort. That means you try and you try and you try again. And then, when you're just about finished, when you're just about at the end of your rope, you realize you're not trying in your own strength. You're trying in the strength of the one who strengthens you. You're not doing it on your own. You're doing it with your good father. You're not doing it because you're so powerful, can just like make it happen. You're doing it with the power of Jesus in you. You're not trying to work this way and just every effort is on you. You're using the finished work of Jesus to make peace in those relationships. It's his effort, not ours. Have salt in yourselves, have Jesus, the one who empowers you from the inside and gives you strength with relational difficulties, and then you'll be able to be at peace with one another. You know what the word peace actually means? In the Old Testament, the word shalom is the word for for peace. It's the word that means completeness or wholeness, comprehensive peace. It's why Jerusalem Jerusalem is the city where, where, where God's people reside and where God himself resides. That's where the name comes from. So the definition of peace is truly shalom. That means that peace, let me flip to the next slide. Peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And peace isn't the absence of chaos. It's the presence of Jesus. Completeness wholeness, shalom inside of you. You see, shalom happens when something that was missing has been found, when something that is broken has been restored. You know who was missing? You know who's been found? You know who's been restored? You, by Jesus. You gotta catch this, your life will never be peaceful until it's peaceful until the fullness of Jesus resides on the inside. The crazy thing is every single thing in your life can be falling apart and you can remain whole. Not in your own strength, 
but in the strength of the one who strengthens you. Remember, peace in our lives doesn't come from the chaos being removed. It comes from Jesus being added. And until you carry peace on the inside of you, you will never carry peace into the relationships around you. So 2019 is a year of pioneering. Pioneers are peacemakers. Pioneers are conflict stoppers. Pioneers go into the unknown for the good of the one another's they love and the glory of God. Pioneers remove the mountains of conflict. They walk on the waters of tension and they kill the giants of discord. We are invited to pioneer. So Valley Creek Church, have salt in you, the Jesus who purifies and preserves and truly be at peace with one another. Peace with him leads to peace with them. Let's pray. So Lord Jesus, we pray your peace uh, even into our hearts right now. In fact, even as I start this prayer, feel the fullness, the completeness, and the peace of heaven come over you right now. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And everywhere he is and everywhere he resides just becomes more and more peaceful. He removes the chaos. He squashes the conflict. He gives us peace in our heart and he he invites us to bring that into everyone and every relationship in our life. So I encourage our whole church family Lean into this idea of pioneering peace. This is the favor of God on us. Pioneering is our word for the year. Peace is what the Lord wants to speak right now. Believe by faith that no matter what your past relationships have looked like, your future relationships can be full of the peace of Jesus. Your future relationships can be full of the fruit of the Spirit and everything that goes along with it. And that from this point onwards, it really is possible You see, with Jesus, everything is possible. That you can truly live at peace with all the one another's in your life. What an invitation. What an opportunity. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace that you've made between us and the Father. Thank you that you went first. You are truly the Prince of Peace. We follow your lead. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.